Growing Woman. I am your host, Christina Singh, and Growing Woman is a podcast all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. I am really excited about this episode. This episode is with Yell Bell. She is an incredible creative force and has her own creative company, which I am so excited for you to learn about. Yell runs in creative company. And in this interview, we talk all about her journey toward that. (laughs) But most importantly, we talk about the freedom that she has found in expressing herself authentically. So Yell and I were connected um, via a past guest of this episode, and you'll hear more about that. Um, But she and I connected over self-expression and a lot of the restrictions around what we're supposed to wear and how we're supposed to look in the workplace. If you're a regular listener of this show, you know I've brought this up quite a bit from my own past experiences, um, you know, talking to people about theirs. And Yell posted a beautiful post highlighting an article about creative expression um, in the workplace and, and you know, talking about what women are wearing and, and kind of the uniform we're all expected to adhere to in corporate America. <laughs> and when you go look at Yell's page on Instagram or via her company page, you will see she's a very creative person. She uh, expresses herself fully. And so she she really describes her journey in this episode around self-expression and how it was not an easy road for her. Um, how, you know, that can come in many forms. How it can make you feel free or constricted depending on where you are. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation because it's very open and honest, but it's not dragging anyone through the gutter. (laughs) Um, Because Yell and I actually were connected via our old workplaces, and we really had no idea until we connected on LinkedIn and realized we worked in the same places where we felt the same, you know, restrictions and you know, we felt the same ways at the same time. And so I just feel so wonderfully connected to her and to her journey. And I think so many of you will resonate with what she says, even if you don't express yourself in the same way that she does. Just the the desire to have more freedom in your expression, to go about your day in a way you see fit that you know isn't hurting anyone it's just simply the best form of you and the most authentic form of you I think we can all really really resonate with that action and with that desire this episode is also really really special because Yell is the 40th woman that I interviewed on the show. Um, You listened to Jen's story last week and I actually interviewed Jen after Yell. So Jen was the 41st person I interviewed, but Yell um, is the 40th woman that I interviewed on the show. And it just felt, I, I didn't even realize it until after the episode was finished and I was reflecting upon our interview and I got really, really emotional just thinking about it. And so, you know, I, I, 
I'm really all about gratitude and and that sounds like such a douchey thing to say. What I meant to say is I am very much trying to be mindful about expressing gratitude over and over and over again because it it helps keep me present in the moment and I really want to feel all of the feelings while I'm on this journey with you guys. And I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for reaching out and letting me know that these stories that I'm sharing and these interviews that I'm having are really resonating with you because I need to hear that. (laughs) The people I'm connecting with need to hear that. And Nothing makes me happier than seeing you follow guests on Instagram or interact with them or purchase their programs or work with them in various ways. It really is just truly so special to see you interacting with this community that I'm trying to build. And because I know that these stories are really important and this will resonate so deeply with so many of you. This episode is no exception. Um, I highly encourage you to follow Yell and her work on every platform. Check out her company, In Creative Company. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous um, company with incredible intention behind it. Inner, sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> Enjoy this interview. That's what I'm about to say. Enjoy this interview with Yell. Bye. <laughs> Yell, welcome to Growing Woman. I am so excited to have you here and really thrilled to be having this wonderful conversation with you today. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. I so appreciate you. Oh man, I appreciate you too. And we found each other through past guest, Laurel Carpenter, um, who is just an incredible ally and advocate and connector. Um, literally seconds before we started recording, we were both talking about that. So um, Laurel uh, connected us because I saw a post um, that you had posted about um, the workplace and how um, an employee um kept changing their appearance during the workday and how you, you shared that, um, you were sent home at a former corporate job, um, for wearing white jeans. And I deeply resonated with this post. I saw it after Laurel shared this post and I said, who is this person? Like, how can I be connected to her? And literally like, I want to know all about her. (laughs) So she connected us and, um, here we are having a conversation and I wanted to start out with, um, your desire behind posting something like this on LinkedIn. And cause I, I'm sure like a lot of people from your former job would see that on LinkedIn and would see you posting openly about, um, corporate culture in the workplace. Um, and I thought that was really rad. And so what, what motivated you to post something like that? Um, I've always been on this journey of self-expression and I've never, until I started freelancing, owning a company three or four years ago, I was not able to fully express myself. Mm. I was, I grew up in a box, a bubble, like most of us do. You don't really get out to see the world because you go to school and you go hang out with your town friends. 
that's kind of your world up until you get to middle school. Maybe it grows a little more. You maybe combine three schools together. Then you go to high school and I ended up going to private school. So it was a conglomeration of like six towns in my area. So I got to see a little more there, but I would always take a train into New York City where I live now. And I got inspired by the music. I was like in high school going to Almond Almond Brothers shows. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like really just trying to do something different than what I was seeing in private school. Um, I would go to the thrift stores and I couldn't even wear most of these clothes in school uh, because we had a dress code. We had to wear collared shirts and skirts down to our knees. It wasn't a, a uniform, but it was a code. Yeah. And so I was always adhering to something that I always had this in me to try to get beyond that. I got to college and I went to an Ivy League school where it was prestigious. There was a lot of like preppier people there. I was an athlete. That was my persona. I got to corporate and uh, that was my job right after school. It was very, very corporate. Like you said, I got sent home for wearing white jeans. I think white jeans are just white pants. Like those don't even, they're not blue. They're like not jeans. They're just pants and we could wear just pants. Um, (laughs) So like a texture, I don't know. Um, But again, there was a dress code there that I had to adhere to. And so it wasn't until like year four of corporate where I found this world in Brooklyn where I could costume and do that on weekends. And um, finally, once I stopped working in corporate, I was a freelancer, solopreneur, now own my own business. And I'm finally able to just fully be this authentic self. And this authentic self keeps changing. Yeah. Um, I have not, typically I have really colorful hair, uh, colorful braids. Right now my eyebrows are pink. I have a huge colorful art piece behind me. Like I love color. Mm -hmm. I've gone through like my black and white phases. And so it's been this, my like style has represented these phases that I've gone through in my life and being able to put that kind of culture around me. And so I know that the reflection that I put out there into the world with my color, I get smiles back. I get joy back. People are excited to see this. It makes me feel better. And I know that I'm inspiring people. And so that's what I want to share on LinkedIn. Yeah. I really, really resonate with this because Number one, your journey of finding yourself and your self-expression. For me, I I felt very similarly growing up where it was like, oh, there are all these things I want to explore and all these things I want to do, but I felt very limited. And for me, it really came from fear. That was my, my, you know, driver in so many things in my life, but I can really resonate to what you're saying in feeling restricted in so many ways and feeling like it couldn't fully express myself or try new things um, or feeling like society hadn't adapted to my needs <laughs> and my desires yet. And like, I'm a plus size woman. And so finding really cute plus size clothing growing up, like it just wasn't a thing. And you know, I felt like I was dressing in business casual at like 13 because those are the only options I had. Mm -hmm. And 
I think when you're, when you have this desire to have more self-expression and be yourself in these ways and you're the route, the, the, the road is very narrow. Um, it can lead to, um, a, a very black and white understanding of, well, this is who I am now. And like, all right, I'm just putting it out there and you can, you can deal with it or not, and you can understand it or not. Um, so thank you, number one, for sharing that, because I think it's really important for people to hear that your journey wasn't so linear and in self-expression and that you experimented. And I love that you said on the weekends, you would go and, um, you know, partake in these moments of self-expression that felt really authentic to you. And now it's like ever evolving and sharing that obviously online resonated deeply with me. So can we talk about corporate culture and like, can we talk about like expression of oneself in the workplace? Because for me, I remember, and we're, we're actually connected to these moments in our lives because yeah. you used to work for a company that worked very closely with an organization I used to work with. So that was wild when I found that out. So I feel even deeply, like more deeply connected to you around this, but I remember in my workplace, if you were going to a meeting, it was a requirement that you always had to wear a blazer. Like if you were in a meeting, you need to wear a blazer. And I remember forgetting, I didn't have more than like one blazer because I wasn't making a lot of money. And for me to invest in like more pieces, it was a lot. And I remember I forgot a blazer in the office when I was on a trip, um, a work trip. And I was presenting really, you know, briefly on something, but I wasn't wearing a blazer. And I remember my team kind of subtly hinting about, oh, isn't it so great to have a blazer on hand when we're going, when we're presenting or like, yeah, it's just such a great thing. And I remember feeling so ostracized and isolated and like also thinking it's a fucking blazer who gives a shit. So when you're talking about your white jeans moment or those like constricting moments, I, I feel like there's just so much structure and, um, so much anxiety that can be produced from these moments in your time in this space. Um, were there more moments like this and how did they make you feel as you were evolving in the workplace? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that blazer story that you have totally resonates too. It was the fact that you say that you didn't think that you had the funds to be able to constantly change your blazer up. That was huge. I worked at this company. I was a marketing manager. It was a really corporate real estate company, one of the biggest in New York. And there were a lot of executives there. Most of them were men, uh, but there was one woman in particular who was actually my mentor and the reason I was there. I'm so thankful for her, but she is dressed to the T all the time. And um, she had the funds to do that. And me as like my first four years working at the business, I felt like I was supposed to be that. And so I would go shop at Century 21 all the time because you got these amazing deals on these 
like thousand, thousand, thousands of dollar pieces. And like, even the price that I got them at, like $500 for a blazer, that's still crazy. Like I would never buy that now, but it was this philosophy of trying to keep up and be something and show that you could, um, that I did that for so long. And I, so I had that with the, with the blazer type of thing. Um, I also, I had heels under my desk. We were, I know a lot of people have this. We work in a city. I had to walk. I actually was walking distance from my office. At one point I was like a 15 minute walk and then a 10 minute walk from my apartment, but that it's a walk. And I am not doing that in heels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I would keep like 10 pairs of heels under my desk, really thin, really thin heels. No. Um, And now looking back at this, it was again to like adhere to their standards. And I have now taken all my blazers, all of my heels that were under my desk, and I started painting them in my post-corporate world. So I've splatter painted them. They're like not artistically paint. I mean, everything's artistic, I guess, but not like high art. It was just like therapy to be able to say, fuck this. I am not not wearing (laughs) heels again. I, to this day, I'm four years out of corporate. I haven't worn heels. I wear platform boots. I love platform boots. Like, yes, make me taller, but like, no, (laughs) I'm comfortable shoes. I don't need you anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And I also want to say like, there is nothing wrong with wearing those clothes. Like I love a good power suit. I love heels. Like I love those moments and that's what resonates with me. But if it doesn't resonate with you, I feel like that's okay. Like that should be fine. And for me, I now really primarily only buy colorful blazers, like, because that's what I love. And I adore the fact that you painted your heels. I really love that because what a form of like art therapy that you (laughs) really gave yourself during this time when you were in this space where you felt more restricted or you felt like you had to um, perform essentially a certain way um, in your appearance, what did that uh, do to your mental health and like your mental space in your workplace? Um, it felt competitive. It constantly felt competitive. I was also on, it was a very male dominated industry of real estate Um I was on a marketing team. So it was, it was three women when I joined the company and we grew to like seven of us. And I hate putting the fact that like women are competitive with each other in a sense, because I feel like that was only a corporate thing. Actually, I now own a creative agency of mostly women and non-binary people. And we are collaborative and supportive of each other, constantly cheering each other on. You saw from my LinkedIn engagement with our mutual friend, Lauren, Laurel, and uh, we support each other constantly. But for some reason, I felt like I was always trying to be something else. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know at that point, I didn't know my, my boss ended up actually telling me when I left that she didn't feel like I fit there anymore, which is just really stuck with me because it was something that I didn't see in myself. I didn't see this other world. I didn't know there were 
all these artists living in Brooklyn, 45 minutes away. I was living in this like corporate Manhattan area where there were men wearing suits down Park Avenue. And I had to wear my heels between buildings to go to showings and marketing centers. Um, yeah, I, I can't say that it was something in the moment that I felt so much, but yeah. it was definitely like year four when I had discovered Brooklyn. <laughs> that I, I felt it. And I guess my boss saw it too. (laughs) Well, I think something you also touch on is the culture in New York city and, um, coming to New York city and working for a big company and having the, the blazers and the heels and the makeup and everything is just like seen as this ultimate. And I love that. I think it's awesome, but it also doesn't always give wiggle room for self-expression. And we're also talking about the patriarchy and a culture uh, in the workforce that's based on the patriarchy and the standards that men in the workplace have uh, established as the primo standard. And I really appreciate you bringing up the competition aspect that comes up because I have felt, I felt that way too, in my previous role, um, that it, I didn't feel collaborative and I didn't feel, um, supported either. And for me, what really came up was not fitting in and not fitting into this space that then did become weirdly competitive. And I desired community. Um, and gosh, I really do resonate with so much of what you're saying, because when you said your, your boss, when you were leaving said you should, or you, you like, you don't really fit in here anymore. I remember I mentioned an interest that I had at one point in my old job and my boss said, oh yeah, you should do that. And I was like, but I'm here. Like you're my boss. And what? Like, and I think we don't necessarily realize what we're also projecting in our workplace as well. Like while we're trying to maintain this culture and this system, maybe we, like you were saying earlier, you didn't have that self-awareness at certain points of your life. So when you found, you know, you have a deep seems like a deep connection with the Brooklyn art community and Brooklyn in general. So what was your experience like when you started dabbling into these other forms of self-expression? Like how did you feel and what came out of you? Yeah. Well, when I started dabbling in it, so let's think that was three years into working in corporate, discovered Brooklyn, specifically was going to the house ES, which every single night was like a different costumed event. And I remember just like coming home on on the subway at 4 a.m. sometimes. And I was sitting there with construction workers and I was like (laughs) all done up in my costume. And I like giggled at myself sometimes. Like it was a nice feeling. I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) I am putting my, I'm seeing myself in a different way in these costumes. I am not taking life as seriously. And it was fun. It was fun. It was fun to have like a community around that too. It's when I really discovered that I I was kind of lonely working in corporate. Mm. I didn't have like 
so many other corporate friends because when you're working at a company, it's like you're supposed to become friends with your coworkers, I guess, but that never seemed to jive for me. So I became friends with like my boyfriend of the times friends. And yeah. that was the extent of it, but none of them were working in corporate actually. And so what I found in coming to Brooklyn is I found community. I found a community of artists. I found like-minded people. I found the people that inspired me that I wanted to be around. Although inspired me in a different way. I was still inspired by the people around me at corporate. Like I don't want to talk so negatively about that. Of course. I, I had amazing projects there. Like launching the world's largest 4k billboard in Times Square with a, a digital artist and um, there you like went behind the screen and you programmed on an iPad and you could actually change what was on the screen in Times Square like super duper cool and so all of that work was inspiring me but I don't know if like the friendships of the people around me were so mm-hmm. I felt I felt more whole and at ease, I guess, with this community. Yeah. Oh, I really, um, can feel that from you too, (laughs) in the way that you're talking about everything. And I really appreciate you mentioning the positive experiences you had, because obviously that led to your growth and to you starting your own venture. Um, And of course, like when you're in any workplace, one would hope there would be really positive experiences. And, you know, same thing for me, like they're wonderful people. I'm a great projects I got to work on. Um, But ultimately, I think the evolution of what you go through in anything in life is going to change, you know, who you are and the decisions that you want to make as well. So when you started to make these decisions to, you know, go to house of guests, which I've been to and it's the best, um, and have these experiences get into costume, change your perspective. And you saw this evolution start to happen. When did you get an inkling that you no longer wanted to be in this environment and you wanted to start freelancing? I didn't. I oddly looking back at it, I'm like, I don't know why I didn't see that other people were freelancing around me in that world. I was blind to it because I was, I was using it as like a social release to go to these parties. It was my socializing. It wasn't my working. When you work in corporate, you kind of, you put your, all of your work into that. And when you leave, you're like done, unless your boss texts you all the time, which she did, but that (laughs) (laughs) beyond that, like you were done when you left the office, which is so different than freelancing. Um, So I use that world as like my social release. I forget where we were going with this one. When did you realize that like freelancing was going to be your, your journey? Um, I, I didn't because I was actually, I got in a fight with my boss and nothing was really happening. It was like, I was kind of feeling a little like, like I didn't totally want to be in corporate, but I didn't know there was another option out there yet. And then I got in a fight with my boss and 
it it escalated really quickly in in days and I went in to go talk with the president and he's like we love you like we want you to stay and was so nice about it um and I just didn't feel like I could fix that relationship with my boss after what had just happened and so I made a really hard decision to just leave without a job, without knowing anything else that was out there, without even having a thought that freelancing was an option for me. I had been doing it on the side a, a little bit, but I didn't know that was like a full-time thing that could sustain me. Mm-hmm. So I left. I went traveling for a month. It was after Burning Man, which was a whole, it was my second year at Burning Man. So I, I, had, a, I had already like been open to that world but I was out traveling and uh, about a month later, um, within that month, I had been interviewing a little with, with three other companies. Um, I was not interested in anything else besides those three companies. Uh, so when I, I got one offer from one of them, um, another one I was actually overqualified for and another one I was trying to make a position there. <laughs> but I got an offer from one to work full time and another really awesome, big real estate company. And I turned it down to freelance because Mm. at that point I realized that was the thing. And I was looking out at an amazing pool party and I'm like, I want this to be my life more often. And so I said, would you contract me as a freelancer instead? And, And this was my old boss who I was interviewing with. And she said, I will, um, I'll call you in a week. And so that was the start of my freelance career. So wow. yeah, in summary, I, I had no idea what was that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I find this, there are two things that come up for me when you're talking about this, asking for what you want, um, you know, kind of just like realizing your needs and then asking for them and, and, communicating your needs out to the world and in an any sort of career space can be really daunting because I think so much of the culture that we're in says it'll come to you and just wait for these things to happen so I really think it's awesome that you sat back and you were like okay I'm gonna I'm going to reflect upon this and like, let me ask to do freelance because that's what I actually want. Um, So kudos to you for that, like risk that you took in doing that. And then also um, being expressive with um, a supervisor that led to, you know, you no longer being with a company. That's something that I, I would be really fearful of doing. Um, and that I would be really fearful. Like, I think a lot of people would be fearful of having like a conflict with their supervisor in an open way. And it obviously seemed like it led to a deeper conversation, um, and a deeper moment for you, obviously. So when you had those moments of like, um, whether it be clarity or like that desire of, of expression and using your voice, what did that feel like? And like, what were, what were the lessons that you learned from those moments? Mm. Right. This has happened a few times in my life of using your voice like that. Unfortunately, it feels very reactionary. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like that situation wasn't in my control and I felt pushed out. 
Um, but I wasn't going to let my decisions down. I, I remember like crying and calling my parents overnight, over the nights in between all of the different days that we would have a new conversation to come to our conclusion. And it was, it was hard. It was really challenging to get those yeah. words out and to like keep my composure and every day just ask, where are we? And how can we make this better? Do we want to make this better? Um, challenging. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like somatically I'm, I'm like feeling the situations of being there and it, it happens. It happens. Like it's happened other times where you're sitting in front of someone and you feel like you need to fully make your decision and you don't, you don't know what they're, what they're feeling about the situation. Um, but it's, it's a bit of like listening and, uh, just like relaxing and letting your body tell you something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) telling you, this doesn't feel right. If this is so hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, I, I kind of see, I don't see the reactionary portion as much in the, um, asking for what you want around freelancing, but I do see a mirror of like sitting and understanding what you, what your body is telling you that it needs. And in that decision, how would you describe like that, that, um, emotional state for, for that moment? Okay. I was referring back to the one. Yes. The, the supervisor. Yes. Okay. This is my reaction to or how I used my voice to say that I wanted to freelance. That was, that was something a little different. So yeah, that was inspired by a month of travel and being able to see something and some, like some other way of life and be, just being clear about knowing what you wanted to do at that point and to turn down a better job offer than the one that I had before in a a position that had a better title uh, in a more family-oriented company to decide to freelance was a move. Like that was power that I could do that. I could say that that's where I wanted my my career and my life to go. And thank goodness I did because I'm here right now. but it's definitely not a decision and, and words to take lightly to be able to make that decision. Of course. And I think, uh, so a lot of the time on this show, we talk about standing in your power and knowing that you're safe and like in those moments of, of making those types of decisions. And, um, I've talked about the inner child work that I've done and really like knowing that adult Christina is showing up to the party right now. And, Um, it sounds like that was really one of those moments for you. How did that carry you forward into future decisions? Like how has, um, you know, standing in your power, um, benefited you now? Yeah. Yeah. I've had it throughout my freelancing and entrepreneurial journey too. It's almost like, (sighs) Like when I quit my corporate job, it's kind of like firing a client (laughs) that you do as a freelancer. It's deciding what feels good for you and like being able to open yourself up to other opportunities. I think that when you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. And that is 
that that is power and it's not an easy it's not easy to say no it's not it's it's boundaries it's knowing where those are um but there is so much opportunity that comes with it and it's a constant journey to learn where that boundary is Oh yeah, 100%. And then when you start doing that, you realize there's a a whole world outside of this system that you thought was so limiting and that it's out there and you can, you know, you always have to test those boundaries and like practice setting them over and over and over again. But I, I, in my experience, when all of this, these similar things happened with me, it was like, oh, there's a bigger world than this, like tiny community that I thought was running my life. And I'm a part of that. And I'm an active participant in all of these decisions. And I always have been, Mm -hmm. um, I know you then started your own company and that seems like a very big power move. Um, and that you're cultivating self-expression and your, you and your forms of sex, self-expression and color and your love of everything. Um, artistic into these, um, moments where you founded your company. Can we talk about that journey of how you started your own company and what that looked like in that moment you decided to do that? Yeah, that was my ultimate saying. Yes. (laughs) I got a call from a friend from 2013, uh, Drea, who is my co-founder, and um, this was in March 2020, so right after the world had shut down. Gosh. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) She was probably sitting home, isolated, thinking a lot, and I came to mind, and she told me that I had been creatively inspiring her for years and that she wanted to start a company with me. Such a blessing. I was, I remember this moment so well, sitting in my parents' home in Jersey, where I was dragged to by my brother out of the busy New York City to be supported <laughs> in the beginning of the pandemic. And I got this blessing of a call and and it actually wasn't the biggest yes, hell yeah, right away because I had not said no to something else yet. And I had to, mm. I had to um, just kind of digest that. At this point, I had just been um, sent home from a company that I had put all my eggs in their one basket. So I was freelancing. I was on, I was like a permalancer for them. And, uh, I had said no to all my other clients. This was like February, 2020, um, amazing, amazing, unique beauty product called uh, Chrome tooth polish. And it was, we had just started getting a lot of like Instagram and press traffic at that point. I was actually featured on New York mags, the cut for them. Um, as like the face of this, this new beauty product, it's a colorful, colorful paint for your teeth, like nail polish for your teeth. Oh, wow. Yeah. But on like March 16th, he told me that, uh, we're going to take a break and don't come into the office. Don't come ship things. We're going to figure it out. And so that was a month of like working two hours a day and like filing for unemployment, all of that. So I'm going through that at the very beginning of the pandemic when my co-founder called me. And so my response to her was, 
this sounds amazing. Thank you. I'm honored. Um, let me think about this. And so two weeks later, I said, okay, let's chat. I have an idea. And I was, this was in my gap of, of this one month of not really having a lot of work. So I did have this time to digest it and think about it. And so we developed a creative agency model that's super unique because we don't have any employees. We are all a community. We're a collective of individual freelancers and solopreneurs. And it was totally inspired by what I had just gone through in the beginning of the pandemic and, and right before that of feeling so isolated working for this one founder where I had no, no support system um, in my own industry and, and the inspiration way before that coming from the corporate world of feeling too stuck in a box and not able to express myself enough. So it was stuck, isolated, where's our middle ground? Where is our happiness as creatives? How can we feel the most in our creative flow? And my co-founder had the same experience. Pretty much she was working in plumbing and engineering and also very corporate male-dominated industries. And she had done a bunch of freelancing on the side. She was on the board of TEDx um, or at least was running, running parts of TEDx for Asbury. And we just really wanted to liberate ourselves and liberate our creativity and be able to inspire this whole collective to be able to do the same. So it was a total yes, two weeks after she called me. <laughs> and we didn't, my, when I say my no hadn't happened yet, I did end up working for another like five, four or five months for tooth polish because we ended up going viral. And it was amazing. It was a wild ride. I ended up, um, we brought in $70,000 of sales in a day. Wow. Yeah. From a, from a very small business, we had like 15,000 Instagram followers at that point and maybe reached like 30,000 on TikTok from this account that I started. And so it was just a really steep rise where, celebrity makeup artists got their hands on this. And I'm just like riding this ride while trying to start my own company. Wow! And so finally in like October, 2020, I just made the decision that I was going to go all in on, on my own company on in creative co. What a, an incredible story. <laughs> so when you decided to go all in, um, what, what did that, what did you do? Like, how did, how do you go all in, in a company? Uh, you work like every hour of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, w- I was going all in while running this viral TikTok account and the, and the rest of the business. It was me and the founder. Um, I was going all in when my, I did have my other real estate client come back to me and they were giving me all the work of an entire creative agency, me, just me at this point. (laughs) So going well, I, I did contract like seven freelancers. Yeah. Uh, So going all in at the beginning was like, I I don't even know the hours that are in a day, but like, I did not do anything else. It was. (laughs) so all-encompassing. My parents had to help me. 
Um, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Not only were they like, they were packing goods for me, constantly chatting about things, um, really supporting me, feeding me, (laughs) could not have done it without them. So that was going all in while balancing all these other things. Now going all in is I have an interesting role where I'm running the business. I'm running all of my own clients. I'm the project manager and creative director on all of my client projects. And I'm leading a community of, we have 65 active members and we've had like 150 total. So I kind of have three roles in my company and that's what all in feels like and looks like. (laughs) Amazing. I, um, I love that your parents also were like, yeah, we're doing this. Um, that's incredible that you have that community and that you've built this community. So, um, can we talk about what exactly your company does? I know you spoke about the community aspect of it, but what sort of clients do you have and what, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, our clients are pretty broad in terms of industries and we do offer a ton of creative services. So we're a, a full service creative agency, everything from uh, strategy to production, to management, to design. Um, an example of this is uh, someone comes to us for a logo design And there's a lot of freelancers out there who, and I'm guilty of doing this in my past too, not guilty. It's something that we just did as freelancers. We we weren't so as aware and educated as I am now because I have the power of working with a whole collective. So as a freelancer, someone would come to me for a logo design and I would do like a a half hour chat with the client. And then I would uh, maybe give them a questionnaire and then I would start designing. Um, So now as a creative agency, the difference is that we have brand strategists at our fingertips. And so the brand strategist sits with them for six hours in two different sessions. And they go through a whole Miro board workshop exercise to really get to know the story behind their brand. And then I work with a brand designer to design the identity, the logo, uh, the iconography, the colors, the typography. And then there's um, a lot of times as a freelancer where that's that's the end of the project. You turn you turn the brand identity over and you're done. But what we do as a creative agency is we're able to also execute that brand across all these different mediums. So we design the the social templates and we design the website and we write all the copy for the website. And uh, if there's gifts involved, uh, if we need to produce a video to put on the website and a photo shoot, we do that too. And then there's marketing strategy beyond that, including social media management. Um, So it's really taking the start or the refresh of any brand and developing it to its full potential. Oh, I really love this. And I love that you have built this community. um, So people know that when they're working with you, you have this reliable um, backing of all of these incredible humans as well. When we're talking about your work and community, I want to talk about community. And then I really want to talk about creativity. So when you're, when we're talking about this community and, um, how you built 
this incredible space. How did that happen? How did people find you? And, and I mean, that, these are a lot of people that are in this community now. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had a goal of <laughs> having like 10,000 freelancers in it, but we realized that it's me and my co-founder bringing in work <laughs> and we cannot have work for 10,000 people. That's really challenging. So we've kept it much more lean. And the, the reason for that is because we really, it's our projects that we're able to just provide something a little bigger than ourselves because we hire teams of two to five people. And so the way that we've garnered all of this attraction is that I brought in initially some of the people that I had worked with. Like I said, I was given the whole work of a creative agency from this real estate client. And I, I contracted seven freelancers from around the globe, um, including one in Australia who could work for me overnight because this client was demanding. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I had been working with, with these other contractors for the three years that I was freelancing. So our initial bringing into the community was was those people. So that was probably maybe 15 members to start with. Um, I had some friends join who were in different creative industries who maybe I didn't work with yet, but I just told them about it. And to this day, it has been all word of mouth. Um, wow. We, we promote and, and talk and, and uh, engage on social media. Um, me and my co-founder are also in the BNI Global Network, which you are too. You're a president. Yes. And that has been an amazing way to just be able to speak about your business every week and have at least 30 people hear about it. And then they expand it to their networks. I had a one of my uh, taglines at one point was, or my ask was, introduce me to the most creative person that you know. Mm. And it was interesting because some people said that was me and I'm like, okay, just think one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go to the next tier. <laughs> like me that, you know, <laughs> and so that, that really helped. That was a really clear ask. And it was interesting because I didn't have to ask them for clients at, at every, so it didn't sound as salesy when I was saying, introduce me to the most creative person, you know, um, so yeah. it was a really that was a really like smooth way to garner some attention and, and a lot of them that they introduced me to are in other BNI chapters actually. So we have, we have a group of like 15 creatives from all of the BNI chapters around Manhattan and even one in Canada who I went to go visit. Um, so really, really all word of mouth. We put like $50 into paid advertising and boosted Instagram ads, but we just really appreciate getting to know someone before they join. Um, people have now found us off of Instagram, off of Google. It's so cool to see like the line in their application of where they found us. Yeah. That's super <laughs> rad. Yeah. And easier, like, yes, come find us. I get, I get it. That's what like paid advertising is for. Um, but I've always, I've always liked the feeling of word of mouth, like one degree of separation from someone that you talk to. Yeah. Because there's also that reliability of knowing that, you know, if someone's recommending you or someone's recommending another freelancer, there's hopefully some form of community in itself there and a relationship there. Um, 
I also love the way you approached it of tell me about the most creative or introduce me to the most creative person, you know, <laughs> and I love that people are like you. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to creativity, obviously being a creative agency, and I know we're nearly at our time, which is wild. Um, so when it comes to creativity, I've had, um, my dear friend, um, Rachel on the show who got her master's in creativity and, we talk all about the creative solving problem, the creative problem solving process. And um, I took a beta course with her and it really helped align so much of what I want for Amplify Her Media. And creativity I find is just so expansive, um, but it can also be intimidating for people. How mm. do you embrace creativity uh, what does that mean for you? And then how, with your clients, how do you help them embrace creativity? Yeah, you are so right. I, I actually listened to that episode. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so relevant to me. I was very impressed. Um, yes, you're right. Creativity is such a broad word, but the fact of the matter is we are all creators. We were created ourselves and we are all creators and you can you can create, you create thoughts, you create words, you create your dinner, you are creating so many things. And there's ways to just shift your mindset to be able to create it in a different way. Maybe you're not creating the dinner that you've made for the past two weeks. Maybe you just put like one new spice in it. That's, that's a little bit of creativity. That's a literal dash of creativity right there. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that that's the way to think about it as a less intimidating way. It's, it's shifting one tiny thing in your life that you could unleash a little bit of creativity at a time. It does not need to be massive. It does not need to be this major transformation where you throw everything out in your closet and you redo it with all bright colors that you shine with. It's little, little by little. And so it's interesting when this, well, actually, let me, let me start with the way that it manifests in our community is that we, part of me, we actually have someone with a master's in creativity um, who has been facilitating some of our events. And that is like really being able to use these exercises like writing prompts um, little, little movements or visualizations that really digs into your creative self. But a lot of our events are just business development and it's, it's helping us develop ourselves, develop our businesses so that our creativity just naturally flows. It's not getting bottlenecked. Like the phrase creativity flows think of it as like a, a drain, like water, water flowing out of your spigot. And if you put your hand over it, it's clogged. And so there's things in your life that can clog that up, like a crazy client that you need to fire. <laughs> and so it's just talking through those things in these business development chats that allow us to find that. And then in terms of how it manifests for our clients and how we offer our most creative selves to them, some of it's such a a broad spectrum. Like when I'm working for a real estate client, we, they hire us to be our most creative selves, but 
we can't fully show our most creative selves. So. Right. Depends on the client. Yeah. We have to cater to their corporate style. Um, but there's ways to think creatively of how to be a corporate style too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's some clients um, like a historical costume designer who I absolutely loved working for. She was just like enamored by the things that we were producing because it was so inspired by what she was producing, these creative historical garments that we were able to bring that into the brand identity and the, um, the patterns behind all of the graphics that were inspired by like a needle and thread that were really slim and curvy. Um, that felt like we could really put our all into that. So it's being able to, um, I I call it like my color changing capabilities, which Mm. relates back to my, my style too. It's bridging this gap between professional and artsy. And there's a, there's such a spectrum between that. Um, But every client is really looking for a little professional and a little artsy. Yeah. Oh, I really loved your answers here. And I think it makes so much sense um, when approaching that beautiful marriage between the two to open up possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and while you were talking about the um, woman you were working with who does these historical garments, I would love to know more about her. But I, it also made me think of when you're watching television and movies and you see those small details that are in embedded into these projects. Um, and it recently made me think of the new, this is going to be silly, but it means a lot to me, the Muppet Haunted Mansion movie that just came out. Um, and the Muppet Haunted Mansion movie, the wallpaper in the mansion is um, various designs of Muppets that are like designed in these incredible patterns and different colors. And they have all of these really key details that they've taken from the ride, the Haunted Mansion, but also incorporated this incredible um, art form um, in the Muppets into all of this. So I love those, the combination of those details and really paying attention to detail and what would matter to people in that way. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for three more hours, but <laughs> I, I really, um, appreciate you being here and I really appreciate your time. I haven't had a chance to ask you this yet. So I want to end our interview with your, um, with your allies. So who are people in your life who identify as women who have been allies for you in your journey? Yeah. Uh, thank you for this time on here too. And I'm, I could talk to you forever also, uh, but this is such a beautiful way to end this. I have so many women allies, um, going back to college, uh, well, eh, even before that, my mom, I'm super close with my mom. Um, she was a lawyer and she has discovered her artist self. I actually have her, uh, artist signature tattooed on my arm. Oh my God. And this is my, my grandfather's. I know that's a male, so we'll not talk about him. No, right that's now. fine. My grandfather was an artist, passed it down to my mom, but she didn't recognize this until she was 50, 55 years old. And so she's really stepped into this self and allowed me to step into my artist self. So that's mom. Um, in 
college and maybe high school, I was surrounded by a lot of women who uh, I was a college athlete. And so I was on a field hockey team and like, unfortunately, fortunately, uh, sports split you up into genders. And so I was surrounded by a lot of powerful women there who wanted to like be their best at the sport. And that was inspiring. Um, And then the woman who led me to my job, to that corporate job, um, has been a mentor and um, she's like been with me throughout the, my first boss at my corporate job and um, who gave me that opportunity that I turned down to freelance. She's been a huge blessing. She has been my longest standing client for my whole freelancing career. We still work together. um, Yeah. Um, And now my co-founder, my co-founder Drea is just such a powerhouse in marketing and structure and facilitation, um, design, inspiration, um, so much so. Those are the, those are the power women in my life. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you just so much for being here on, on the show and for taking the time to share your journey. I, it has completely resonated with me and I know it will resonate with so many other people. If people want to be in touch with you or they want to work with you, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you. So my company is called in creative company, uh, in creative.co. And our Instagram is at in.creative.company. And then personally, I'm yell, Y-E-L-L-E underscore B-E-L-L-E, B as in ball. Um, And my website is linked on there too, Yell Bell Designs. Beautiful. And we'll have all of this information in the show notes as well. Yell, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Thank you for being here. I'm just so grateful for you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you to Amplify Her and Christina. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, for our listeners, we will see you on the next episode and never forget that your story matters and you matter. And we'll see you next time, guys. Growing Woman is brought to you by Amplify Her Media. Amplify Her Media is a media company dedicated to amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Follow along for more at AmplifyHerMedia.com or follow along on Instagram at AmplifyHerMedia.